0: Hello, welcome to Shaman Sisters Sessions, episode 26, Healing the Archetypes, as we seek to bridge our ancient energies into the modern world. I'm here with Michelle Hawk. We are the Shaman Sisters. I'm Catherine Bird, and we have this podcast for the purpose of having these deep conversations around healing work, uh, shamanism, energy work. Uh, living these lives of healers, working with our clients, our mentorship programs, and what we are experiencing through this process of the awakening of consciousness on the planet. And this is an exciting topic today about the archetypes. And um, I know that both Michelle and I work with archetypal, um, uh, you know, energies as we're working with our clients and doing our programs. And have, are, are witnessing at this time a, uh, a need for healing these old archetypal energies within ourselves as we claim ourselves as healers and um, whatever the different archetypes that we're, we're seeking or just naturally embody.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, awesome. Well said, Kat. Let's talk a little bit first about what does that even mean when we're talking about archetypes? What is that? I know in the Healer's Process program, your awesome program that you offer, part of the work, especially in the first week, right, is delving into the archetypes. What are the archetypes that are most present for you as you are going through the spiritual awakening, as you are claiming these different facets of yourself? Archetypal energies work with, uh, you know, what are the fundamental characteristics? What are the core characteristics of any given facet of persona? So for example, both you and I very strongly embody the shaman archetype. We are the shaman sisters after all. There are also, uh, you know, the alchemist archetype. I work a lot with that one. I know you do too, but um, the alchemist archetype is really present some other archetypes that we've been exploring, or at least um, I've been exploring the oracle as a result of my journey through the healer's process with you and examining what are the fundamental characteristics of the oracle archetype? Who is she as a facet of embodied spirit? And how do I relate to those fundamental characteristics? Are they Ooh. Are they in alignment with my uh, my path, my journey? Do I embody her completely, partially? Uh, and so, uh, what else do you have to say about archetypes? It's
0: well, I think we need to to state sort of that the the archetypes are these energies that are consistent, that that people can relate to, that they have a, a flavor that is consistent and it's consistent throughout time, and they're sort of um, these energies that, that people can kind of have a grasp on and they can understand within themselves. And we all embody multiple, multiple archetypes. Different archetypes sort of come to the forefront at different times in our lives when we're meant to work with that archetypal energy and explore it. Um, you know uh, Carl Jung did a lot of work and writing about the archetypes is sort of uh, a lot of our most famous um, analyzation of archetypal energies sort of uh, came through him and then there have been a lot of writers since that have done amazing work on archetypes Um, and while there are just Massive amounts of archetypes just in some books. They'll have like a hundred different hundreds of different archetypes um, And kind of going through the king and the queen and the the fool the knight the the warrior the You know the the wounded child What we want to focus on today in in this episode and sort of in our work is more on the kind of sub-archetypes, you could almost say, that are sort of underneath maybe or in or in sort of an encapsulation around um, the healer archetype, the main archetype of the healer, the mystic, um, you know, those of us who are drawn on this path. And um, what I've discovered in myself is that there have been times when I've needed to embrace and, um, and own a different archetypal energy based on the sort of the initiations that I was receiving or going through, the work that I was starting to bring out into the world. And what I've found is that there's this need to go in and do some kind of cleanup healing work around mm-hmm. that archetype based a lot of times on uh, past life experiences or um, judgments from this life, things that we learn in media or books or, um, you know, in socialization where we get sort of a, um, an impression of a certain kind of energy, a word has this like very strong impression on it. And until we go in and heal that within ourselves, we're not able to fully embody that archetype and fully bring that energy into our work.
1: Absolutely. And even the historical representations and associations with these archetypes as well. I also wanted to mention Carolyn Mist as another very valuable resource for investigating some of these archetypes. She's done a lot of wonderful work with
0: uh, NYSS and she has an archetype, a book uh, called, I think it's called Archetypes.
1: I think so too. Yeah. And she delves into that um, a little more extensively and it's kind of fun to go through and, and look at these different facets. Uh, I also want to mention another way that we experience the archetypes that a lot of people are familiar with are through the tarot deck, you know, so the looking at the knight, queen, king, page as well, depending on the tarot deck of the different suits, looking at the major arcana as well. Those are some very well-known archetypes. The um, the hierophant, the the lovers, the empress, the emperor, all of those are well-known facets. But yes, going back to our main topic today are about the different subcategories of the healer archetype, the mystic, the Shaman, the priest and priestess, the uh, all of these different representations through the lineages. How is the work that we are doing for ourselves in healing these relationships with these archetypes, also healing the archetype itself and bringing a new vision to it to help it be born and shifted into its role in modern context. I received, I'll tell, since I mentioned it already, the oracle archetype, that was, I think, I'm not sure exactly like when, when I would place that in terms of this coming up for me, but that was something that I started working on last fall when I was participating in your healer's process program. And I felt a lot of resistance to the oracle archetype because of the association with slavery. The oracles in, you know, especially looking at the time of, like, ancient Greece and Rome, they were slaves. They were especially sex slaves. They were abused by the priests who were supposed to protect them, and they were, um, they were given drugs. They were forced to um basically be enslaved to the temple that they served and channel these visions you know these drug-induced visions as was often the case that uh, that would decide the fate of kingdoms really and so the oracle is you know as far as i'm concerned a very w- wounded archetype and so when i Uh, And yet I also do a lot of premonition work. I do a lot of psychic work. And so I felt a resonance with that archetype, but at the same time, a lot of resistance, especially given my own history of um, being in an abusive relationship, being in a a relationship that was shutting down my gifts and, and really kind of tainting my relationship with my gifts that I needed to work through. Part of what I was doing in healing my relationship to that also was healing my relationship to the oracle archetype. Now that I've really sat with that and I've processed it and really come into much better understanding of who is the oracle in her light and how do I connect with her? How do I relate with her? And how can I embody her in a healthy way to bring that forward? I am an oracle. I am a channel. I do bring these transmissions forward. I speak with spirits. I speak with, with gods. You know, that was the thing, right? Oracles would be you know, an oracle of Apollo, for example, to channel messages from Apollo. And I bring that forward. So by going into offering healing to that archetype in my relationship with her, I was able to step into a place of much greater healing around it and also share that vision with other people to heal it on the
0: societal level. Right. Which is like, it's really beautiful work. And one that we don't even, <clears throat> a lot of times in our healing work, we don't really consider, we don't consider this aspect of, of the healing process. And as healers is, you know, even if you don't maybe say you're a healer at this point, maybe you do some some kind of, of work, um, you know, as a a therapist or whatever it is, as a coach, um, one of the things that can hold us back is not embracing these different archetypal energies that are already moving through us. We already have them. Um, And our fear of the shadow, I like how you said the expression of the oracle in her light, our fear of the shadow aspects of these archetypal energies is often what keeps us from embracing the light aspects of these energies. Um, I know that I had a really hard time and it's so funny after afterwards a little bit and you're like, why am I having such a hard time with this? Um, But I know that I had a really hard time with the witch archetype. And it took me quite a while to really work with that energy and to be able to um, own it fully. And and you know me, I'm super witchy. I'm like, you come to my house, there's like skulls and bones and like bats hanging, and like you know, it's it's you know, I love like making little potions and and you know, putting things together. And uh, I I have a very strong witch energy and it I I really had to do some work on healing the the energies around you know what society says about the witch, right? Who she is and that she's bad and that she's ugly and, and she's really unlovable and she's in danger you know, that it's very dangerous to be a witch. It's it's not anymore, but we still hold that frequency within us because if in a past life we were condemned for being a witch, which witch, which I know that a lot of the people that I've worked with are holding um, those, <clears throat> those old wounds inside of their system and sometimes even are still holding the energetic implements of torture and death inside of their their field or energy bodies mm-hmm. um and you know those can really keep us from embracing certain parts of ourselves and from loving parts of ourselves so i had to work really hard on on the witch for for a while and and this isn't like just an an overnight thing i i want everyone to really recognize that sometimes these archetypes they take months or you know even longer to be able to Uh, really sit with to explore what is the shadow what is the light what are my old wounds around this what are my feelings around this what comes up for me when I sit with this energy what comes up for me when I put on and dress and do the makeup and like actually embody and go into an embodiment of that physical embodiment of that energy and I walk around with it and I and I put it in my my body um, what happens to me? What comes up? What are the fears that come to the surface? What are the, the, the things that I think about that energy, which are often surprising because they're like, that doesn't make any sense. That has no, no reality around it. And yet still it's there. Absolutely.
1: And it is real. This is speaking to the, the soul DNA, right, where we carry within not necessarily our physical DNA of our genetic lineages, but we're carrying within our soul DNA the energetic imprints of all of these past lives in which maybe we did embody those archetypes at a time when it wasn't safe to do so, at a time when the expression of them was viewed in shadow or the expression was a shadow expression of that archetype. For example, I know both you and I do a lot of work with the warrior archetype. Let's speak about that one a little bit. You know, we embody it personally, and that one was never really a problem for me to embrace. I think I always felt pretty connected with warrior in her light, and yet there's a lot of work that I know both you and I do with our clients where there's a lot of shadow warrior. There's a lot of dark warrior, kind of the vigilante justice and the... um, the, Self sacrificing martyr flavor of warrior energy where people end up th- devoting themselves into defending a cause or being a champion of something and tearing themselves to pieces because they're embodying the shadow aspect of the warrior. What have you seen in some of your clients with that?
0: Well, <clears throat> one of the things that's interesting about the warrior is, you know, and, and I've worked with a lot of men and uh, working with Some men who are especially, but people who are embodying so fiercely the warrior archetype that there's not room for anything else. And so, you know, there's a lot of um, pushing and controlling and and force and being really hard on yourself and and wearing your body down and um, not leaving space for gentleness and kindness and compassion. And I know that I have, in you know, I contain a huge amount of this like warrior energy. And I know that I have definitely had fluctuations in my life where I've um, used the warrior energy as a protective shield, not mm-hmm. to be vulnerable, not to let people in, not to let people near me, to use the amount of power that I can generate within my system to keep people a- apart from me. Um, and to give off uh, a certain amount of this like warrior vibe that's basically like, don't fuck with me. And which is great if you're walking down the streets of New York at, night, at midnight and you don't want anybody to fuck with you, but maybe not so helpful if you're seeking to kind of soften into a, you know, an intimate partnership relationship and, um, you know, or or you know, in the work of working with someone and really needing to become softer within a session so that they can relate to you in a different kind of way. Yeah,
1: there's also the peaceful warrior archetype or that flavor of the warrior who so fully embodies that medicine that they never need to draw their sword right? And that's the thing that I think shows up in a lot of my clients who come to me either with self-identified warrior archetype or something that we go into journey space and identify together where there's healing that relationship with the idea that the warrior always needs to be in battle, that the warrior needs to be fighting. And actually warriors, the true embodied grounded whole warriors spend very little time fighting because they are who they are so fully that they don't need to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, another thing I've seen with with clients is um, going into journey space, bringing through that warrior energy, and then get, having permission. I think a lot of this archetypal stuff, the healing of this, it is giving ourselves permission. So giving ourselves permission to embody this, and I know that I've seen, I've seen people have a radical shift. In their life, like just by allowing themselves to that warrior energy and by receiving some messages, like what does the warrior want you to do? And, and that's an, always an important question to ask when working with these energies. What does it want me to do? What does the warrior energy want me to do? Like what will help feed it? And it's like, okay, well, I want to, the warrior wants to go out into the forest and run through the forest, and the warrior wants to take cold ice baths. You know, the warrior wants to. Um, you know, go and study this martial art and, um, you know, do this this intense breathing. And, uh, you know, I've seen people kind of take on some of those things and feed that warrior energy just a little bit and have radical shifts in their life where things start to just like flow and become more easy. And now their business is expanding and, and growing and, and things like that. And, um, you know, and, and to say that this is this is definitely not a masculine, like the warrior, we're not saying, it's not like a masculine, this is for men, Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times uh, really women need to work on their warrior energy and heal that warrior within themselves in certain ways uh, because we either take it on too much or too little. And so we're all being called to heal these different archetypes for sure. To be men,
1: type we locker feeds. See what we said. Uh oh. like needing to be the the warrior in the shadow way like need especially women who are in business or in the corporate sphere women who are uh again needing to prove themselves in some way they run the shadow warrior is what i found uh and without really understanding that again what it means to embody it in a tempered way where you don't need to have your sword and shield out all the time you can just be who you are as your warrior self and that is enough to to fully embody that and be a big powerful presence in the world.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kat, we lost your feed for a second. So I, yeah. I, I dropped out. It is raining really hard here. So um, I am on the island, the, the big island. And I am, I mean, I don't even have cell phone coverage here. So this is like some kind of crazy miracle that I'm even here at all. And yeah. it is raining like madness outside. So if, you, if I do drop out, then that's that's the reason i'll be back shortly i hope um and so i I love i love that discussion about the warrior and how and and it is like we're all in all of these archetypes we're looking for that balance point it's raining so hard we're looking for the balance point right we're looking for um learning how to navigate that archetype in the highest possible way that we can. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk for a minute, if we can, about um, the wounded healer. Yes. Because this is a big uh, big part of being a healer, is that we all have this wounded healer uh, archetypal energy um, that is is part of our... Um, Part of our makeup in a certain kind of way for most of us There's very few people who haven't had to kind of deal with what does it mean to be the wounded healer? Um, I Michelle- can't think of anybody. Yeah. Off the top of my head. I can't. Maybe there's a couple of people, but I don't know. <laughs> so Michelle, what's your experience of, of the wounded healer?
1: A multifaceted one. I would say the, I think this has come up in previous episodes where we talk about the work that we usually end up doing with other people is work that we ourselves have had to do. So really the looking to what are the wounds that I have healed in myself, what have I become an expert in? And then that usually ends up being who you attract for clients, who you attract for people who want to work with you, is whatever you have had to do deeply. And when you show up to do your work fully, what are you doing? You are studying that archetype. You are studying those wounds. You are devoting yourself to the intricate, loving process of working through that particular flavor of energy. So, of course, it saturates your energetic signature, not in a bad way, but just in a this is something that you have spent a lot of time with way. So then when you do heal that for yourself and you are you're an expert, you have gone through the initiation of whatever that particular wound is, people are going to come to you for that. It's funny. I was speaking with a colleague of mine who is a, among other things, she's a financial coach for entrepreneurs, like conscious entrepreneurs and healer types. And she said she never set out to be a financial coach. It was never in her interest. You know, it wasn't even something that she thought she could do. But because she worked so hard to heal her own relationship to money, she devoted herself to really processing what is the archetype of, uh, or how do, do my archetypes as an empath relate to finances, and she healed that relationship so powerfully within herself. And then all these people started coming to her wanting financial support and coaching, financial coaching. So now she does that. And it, again, it wasn't even anything she wanted to do or tried to do. And for myself, I think about the uh, the different underworld initiations that I have faced on the personal level. Uh, I would say really... Uh, again, that abusive relationship comes up a lot of claiming my gifts. That was a a time when I stepped away from my gifts and needed to step fully back into claiming them, claiming my relationship to my psychic nature, claiming my, uh, and I am very psychic, very, very psychic. That's something that I've had to work to be able to stay comfortably. Claiming my relationship to, uh, to being a teacher also, I think, have... I don't know if I really ever had any wounds around it but around like um the imposter syndrome I guess you know what I mean when I say that like of oh am I qualified to do this am I do I have the right certification do I have the right credentials in place do I know enough am I old enough I'm still in my 20s not for long I'll be 30 soon but I'm still you know I'm in my 20s being invited to speak at these conferences with people, you know, theologians, renowned theologians, people in their 70s, people who have been doing whatever it is that they're doing for a very long time, who have been published in all of these places, and I'm invited to be there with them. What does that say about, you know, my relationship to claiming my work? This actually came up for me a couple of weeks ago, and I'll, um, I'm going to leave it there for now, but touch more upon it later um but the wounded healer archetype for me has had a few different expressions in in claiming these different facets of i am qualified that's a big one and that comes up with my clients a lot of yes you're actually good at this yes you get to do this yes this is real you can claim your gifts you can step into your awakening that's one of the big ones
0: yeah that's a huge one and i think that's a that's <clears throat> that's one that we're Um, both of us work with with our clients is really allowing them to own their gifts and be who they are and that it's okay to 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 embrace um these aspects of self that maybe are a little bit you know scary i don't know if i've if i've dropped off the face of the earth here because you're frozen Um, let's see Oh, there you are. What were you going to say? Great. Um, so some other aspects of uh, this kind of wounded healer archetype that we're, I think we're all called, you talked, you, you, you spoke for a second about finances. And this is another piece of um, kind of the wounded healer is that we have this idea that our spiritual gifts, we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't be paid for, we shouldn't have money for. And in certain times and places, that was absolutely the case. Um, You know, as a healer, uh, or as an alchemist, I mean, it was it was very strict for a a long very long time, you know, as an alchemist, you did not charge for your, your And, and that was very, very frowned upon. And, and, um, in Alan Kardec and spir- uh, spiritism, he talks about mediumship should not, we should never charge for your mediumship and all of these things. And then you know, vows of
1: poverty, vows. Also, a lot of traditions encourage, <laughs> not, not even encourage, but mandated vows of poverty and chastity.
0: Right, that as a healer that we had to, you know, live in this poverty mindset and live that as our life. And so most of us are also um, still holding that uh, energy and frequency and must do work around. I mean, you know, I've had to do it. You've had to do it. I'm not. I've met very few people who step into this work and go, this is a spiritual gift that I have, if if I'm psychic, or I have this channeling ability, or I, you know, can do this certain thing, and it feels like that I shouldn't be charging for this, because it's like a gift from God, and how can I be charging for a gift from God, and this can really um, hurt people, because then we see how they don't even tell people that they do the work, they're not putting it out there. They're not charging at all or enough. And then people don't see the value in their work. So they don't, the client doesn't invest their energy and time into doing the practices or the homework. Because they're like, well, what's the value? Like, It, it doesn't hold value for me because we live in this Western society where money has value. When we pay for something, we're more invested in it. We're more likely to do the homework, to follow up, to follow through, to come back. Um, you know, we then see a lot. And I know I, I talk to a lot of healers who reach out to me who they are struggling so, so intensely with money to be able, just to be able to afford to live, to, to take care of their kids, to eat. And then they don't have time for self-care. They don't have time for eating the kind of, – they don't have the money and resources for eating the kinds of foods and doing – you know, getting their own body work or healing work in order to sustain themselves and basically running themselves into the ground doing work for free, or tiny amounts of money – and not being able to sustain themselves, and ending up feeling resentful, maybe even having to take on a regular job, um, and not living their soul's mission and code because of this huge healer's—you uh, know—it's gosh, it's like the healer's curse of financial—you um, know, like we shouldn't charge for this. So. And
1: we get to heal that.
0: We're healing the
1: archetype. We're healing by claiming, you know, you want to speak about the wounding process of that, you know, going through exactly what you described. Should I charge for what I do? Oh my gosh, I'm mean, I i do not know, I don't feel right about that. It doesn't feel good. Okay, I'll charge just a little tiny bit, but you know, I've come to a place now where I feel like based on what my clients are telling me, honestly, I kind of feel like I can't charge enough. If someone's telling me, right, oh my gosh, my life has changed in so many ways and you helped me heal this and discover this and everything is different and my friends are telling me that I feel different and my relationship is so much better and my health is so much better, right? How, like, okay, you know, write me a check, like a blank check there, right? You're welcome. And
0: and And I'm... and I know for me um, now, there's it's so much less. And so if, if you're if you're struggling with this and and working on healing this. Um, You know, I know that like every time I would raise my prices just a little bit, it would be like, ah, 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 oh my God, oh my God, like, am I valuable? Is this, am I good enough? Am I, you know, imposter syndrome? Am I like, are people going to not want to see me? Um, And it's become less and less that way. Uh, But, you know, we can see and know that if you are doing healing work, especially, um, you know, we can say like mainstream society and different, there's so many people have really, really strong opinions about this. And I have seen other, I've seen people be shamed on social media for charging what they do for their healing work. Um, I know I've had the question, like, um, I, I know somebody who, uh, reached out to me at one point and has wanted to work with me for a really long time and was like, how much is it for a session? Like what? And I don't really work that way very often because that's not how I work. And I'm like, this is how much it is. And the answer I got was, was, what makes you think that? You know, like why? Why do you think that you can charge that? That seems like, that seems like I don't know what. And you know, my answer for that now because I've gotten to the place where. I'm like, you know what? I do a ton of free content. If you want to come every week, Michelle and I are here for an hour, a ton of free content. You can send us an email and we will answer it right here. You know, I have uh, programs. My healer's process course really isn't very expensive. It's a crazy amount of value for what it is. You can come and work with me for that amount of money. You know, I have mentorship programs that are less, you know, like if you want pure one-on-one individuated time with me, it costs a little bit of money because I have all these other things that I do for free and free classes and and I do free consultations. I I give a lot to people. And so um I've gotten to the point where it's like this is just what the value is if you really want to come in and work with me. Right. And I it, I offer scholarships. I work with people for free. I like I do a lot of, of give back to my community. So yeah. that's why it's okay. I believe for me to charge what I charge.
1: And so. also, you don't have to justify it. Even it's
0: uh, <laughs> I know, but that's my justification in my mind. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I'm, you know. So speaking about the financial wounding, it's really interesting to me that this perception, this particular archetype of the impoverished. Healer exists not only within those embodying the healer archetype themselves, but in modern society. Mm-hmm. So, I and Kat, I mean, I'm sure you've had people ask you this. I've had, I don't even know how many people ask me this, where I tell them what I do for a living. I tell them, Oh, I'm a, I, however, I introduce it, I, I do a different way every time, but I'm, I'm a shaman, I'm a spiritual mentor, I'm a professional psychic, I'm a healer. And More often than I could ever believe, people ask me, Oh, and you make a living doing that? Or, Oh, that's your full time job? Or, Do you have a second job? You know, so some question really reflecting back to me that they don't believe that that's a financially profitable employment. And yet, these are people who have absolutely nothing to do with the field. So, you know, this perception, this archetype of the impoverished healer exists in the collective consciousness. How does and so when we're healing it within ourselves, we're healing it for everybody. Do you think that any of those people, if I had told them I was pretty much anything else or I work at whatever company, they never would have asked me that question. Never.
0: Right. It blows my well, mind. Softer and they would think you were very successful. Right? Exactly. Um, which is just this other form of of a healer. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so fascinating and interesting. And it is something that I believe I've, I've not met. Um, there, there are a few healers that don't have this that usually come. Um, the people that I've seen that have this the least are coming from some other background where they're used to making a lot of money and they're just, they're like, they're like, money is not my problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, there are some people who maybe don't hold this frequency, but, um, I've just seen so much suffering around, um, the, the financially wounded healer.
1: Yeah, so that's one of, one of the archetypes that we collectively are working to heal is the, the impoverished healer. But I want to touch upon a couple of the other archetypes because I know we're getting a little bit short on time here. The, uh, particularly the words and the archetypes that have a slightly religious or institutional flavor. Mm-hmm. So for example, like priest or priestess or minister, or reverend, or devotee, or whatever it is that works within a specific tradition, especially, those hold a lot of wounding.
0: A A guru.
1: guru, (laughs) Guru, exactly. These (laughs) words that are a little bit more associated with any particular institution or tradition hold a ridiculous amount of karmic wounding. And I met a woman, actually, when I spoke at that conference a week and a half ago. I met this wonderful woman. We connected so deeply and, uh, you know, definite medicine sister. And I'm so excited to, to have her in my sphere now. She is a minister. And she... Is so hesitant to call herself reverent. Someone at the conference wanted to call her reverent, and she was like, No, no, that's okay. And because she's going through her own process of healing her relationship to that archetype, healing her relationship to that word, even. So she and I talked about that for a long time about how not only is she claiming the term, and what does that mean to her to claim the term, but how is she working in service to that term, in service to that word, to that archetype, to offer healing to everyone's relationship with reverend, with minister, with a servant of a religious tradition specifically?
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful, and that's definitely a a challenge for, um, you know, there are a lot of people who I meet who are holding that energy, right? They're holding that energy of, of, of the priest and like, they're not going to run around. I mean, unless you're Catholic or Episcopalian, right? You're not going to, and you've been through, you're like, you are a priest, even though you're holding that energy, you're never going to say I'm a priest, but there are a lot of people who are holding that energy. Um, and you know, have been priests and in past lives and, and have, I've I've worked with people and you're just like, yeah, you're you're really holding this priest energy really strongly. And then, you know, there's often stuff that, that's associated with that, which because you're not saying that's who you are, because you're not a priest in this life um, can be even trickier to work with because it's like, well, that's not what I am. Mm -hmm but the energy is there so what can we do to work on healing anything that's that's being held through that that lineage that line that you're holding that might be you know keeping you from being more self-expressed more able to love yourself more in service to the world yeah i want to touch upon the safety component
1: for a minute here because that i mean we touched upon it a little bit already but i think it's really important is the aspect of claiming these archetypes, these different facets of the healer archetype is something that historically has not been safe to do, you know, either threatened physically with the witch burnings or with being tortured or killed or imprisoned or, uh, enslaved to be in service or whatever, or, or, um, put in psychiatric institutions. Relatively recently, I am firmly convinced that many of the people who were put in um, In an institution for schizophrenia or for whatever other psychiatric or psychological challenges were having spiritual awakenings or channeling beings or having visions and And this is still happening. I mean uh, That's one of the reasons actually several years ago when um the, man, this abusive relationship seems to be coming up, up a lot today, but it was very informative. So at the time, I was considering going to seek therapy and going to seek help from a third party to talk about what was going on. And I realized I was so afraid of being medicated or being institutionalized. Of If I told someone that I was going to see for therapy that, oh, I have these visions or whatever even though this probably would not have happened, probably wasn't really a, a real danger. It would make me cry out of fear and terror for the safety of my being. So I never actually went and saw a therapist.
0: Yeah, this is super common. And so, you know, in the healer's process, I wanna talk, talk for a second about the shaman, but in the healer's process, one of the, the activities that I have is really to look over all of these different archetypes to tune into them and to feel into the one that once you want to cry, <laughs> like you want to kind of freak, freak out. It makes you sweat. You want to run away. Um, it it does something to you viscerally. You feel it in your body. You get like chills or or whatever it is. That's the one usually that you really need to like feel into and start working with because there's something there. And um, so we let's talk about one that i know there's been something there for both of us um which is the the shaman mm-hmm. and you know this is called the shaman sister sessions and uh so we are claiming it we are claiming it for sure we're definitely claiming it um but you know we we get flack for uh using the word shaman for sure um it's you know in in our personal circles it's it's pretty accepted people you know when people meet us they're like mm, yeah valid okay but um you know uh there's a lot of um issue around using the word shaman sometimes um, people are uncomfortable about it uh, if you're not um, you know, I don't know what they expect. If you're not Mongolian, I don't like, because really that's where the word comes from. But they're using the word shaman is from all over the world, from all different traditions and, and places and times.
1: Well, and actually, even the word shaman is was made up by anthropologists. Right. To speak it's, about,
0: yeah. yeah. And to speak about what it is. And so, you know, both of us, I know, I remember when I was going through my awakening and I went um, to seek help <laughs> and was like, hey, this is, would you just check out this thing that happens to me? And, um, you know, went into this, this this space. And, uh, you know, the woman was like, oh, well, you're a shaman. That's no problem. Uh, And, well, it is a problem because uh, in, in traditional societies, you'd have been picked up. They would have recognized you. You would have gone to live with the shaman. You would have stayed there. You would have worked on, you know, worked with the plants and worked on your meditations and worked on uh, spiritual things. And you would have just done that. And uh, you would have been kind of outside the village and taken care of. And so that's not what we're doing now. We're Integrating, right, was what we're talking about is how we are needing to merge these ancient energies with our modern times, and we are the ones who are being called to do this. Um, it's it's an important part of the awakening process and a part of our evolution of consciousness to actually heal these old wounds that we've been carrying throughout time on this planet Mm -hmm. and to bring ourselves into wholeness. And so some of us are, are, this is our job. And I know not
1: only, not only for ourselves, but for all of society, really
0: it's for everybody. And so I know for me, um, it took years and years and years before I would, use the word shaman and uh still uh you know and then it was like okay well um and still i think on my bio it's like i'm a shamanic channel right because i use shamanic uh practices right but to um to, to say to say the words "Well, i'm a, i'm a shaman it just took forever and um even though it is the most accurate description of what it is I think that I do. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I can say, well I'm an energy worker, but mm, it's, it's not 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 just exactly that, right? Right. And um you know, I know that I went through some really, and, and I had lots of visions, lots of past life visions of having these shamanic uh, lifetimes and and having something bad happen. Mm-hmm. Having uh, something very intense and horrible happen and um, and making these contracts and decisions not to do that again, not to be that again, not to embody that again. And so it often takes a lot of work to clear those contracts and come back into alignment with more of the soul's code and mission um, and then own that. So I know I struggled with it. I mean, it it would bring me to tears because it would be like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, you know, state something that is not what I am, but it is what I am. So how do I, how do I deal with that, right?
1: That's something that I think a lot of our clients and and viewers also watching this are struggling with, is how do we claim these facets of ourselves that come with so much heaviness, that come with so much wounding? Ultimately, what we're doing when we claim them, when we bring the light to them, and when we embody them in grace and ease, or even not with grace and ease, but when we choose to do it anyway, even though it's fucking hard and brings us to tears, we are chipping away at that karmic wounding. We are healing it not only for ourselves and our personal relationship with that energy, with those words, but for all of society. And I'm thinking about how, at you know, the beginning of my journey of consciously working with energies, you know, this was in, I don't know, like 2005 or 2000, you know, like 10 years ago ish. Even telling people that I was doing energy work, I was met with a very different response from what I am now. Sure. And because in the collective consciousness, the the collective societal perception of what it means to be a psychic, be a healer, be a medium is changing. It is changing slowly, but it is changing. So as we continue to heal that for ourselves, we are healing it for other people. Speaking of the shaman archetype, I'll tell a little bit about. Uh, I think. Particularly that conference that I was speaking about uh, that happened about a week and a half ago Um, More uh, about a year ago. I attended an event where Some the keynote speaker was leading us through an exercise about some blockage that we were feeling I don't remember exactly what the exercise was But what came up for me was the belief that I had that I could not have a normal life if I was a shaman that I would never have a partner, that I would never be able to live in society, that I would never be able to, um, you know, to be a, a, have a community. Because the shaman archetype, speaking about archetypes, the shaman archetype is you live outside of the village and people are afraid of you. That's, those are signatures of the shadow or I would say those are signatures of the shaman archetype that we are yeah. healing.
0: Yeah. And so it's like, well, why would you want, and I know that this is what I was sitting with so much. It's like, well, you know, I, one of the things that would bring me to tears so often was because if I am that, it means this. Yeah. It means I will never be loved. And that was the big one that I hit up against. So I will never be loved. Yeah. And, um, I will
1: never, I will never be loved and people will be afraid of me. Yeah. That's an, or I'm, I'm too intense. I'm too shamanic. I'm too whatever, you know, so all these beliefs that, I'm yeah, I'm
0: separate. I'm never going to be accepted.
1: Right. These, these are all signatures. You know, we're speaking about the shaman archetype and yet these I would say are signatures of many of the healer archetypes, the, the healer, the witch, the mystic, the psychic, the, uh, the priestess, the alchemist, all of these, the metaphysician, all of these carry these signatures of separation, fear, misunderstanding. So that's something that I identified very clearly for myself about a year ago. And at that time, I, ha- I think I had been calling myself, like publicly claiming the title of shaman for about a year. Again, it took me a very long time. It took me years, maybe like a five-ish years sitting with that title, title, to actually be able to claim it, yeah, but can. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: probably took me almost ten. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it's something you know. So the now I introduce myself very confidently in that way, and it is my relationship to that word is rock solid because i've done my work around it and because i embody it and i remember actually when i introduced myself at this conference we were having a, an intro lunch for the speakers and presenters and we were just giving a brief introduction and people were going around saying where they had studied and what they were talking about and i introduced myself in three words i said michelle hawk shaman and that was enough and i had people coming up to me afterwards saying. Wow. Thank you for introdu- you know, such presence. They, and I didn't say anything else. That was it. And that was enough because of the relationship that I now have with that term is so rich. And yet I'm still working on it. This, this is the thing is I'm still working on it. Even the week before my conference, I was, I was just thinking about getting up on stage to speak about shamanism. Specifically, my talk that I gave was on shamanic death and rebirth. And here I was at this conference where I was the only shaman. I was the token shaman at this conference. Everybody else was either a a minister or a, a rabbi or a some theologian or an academic scholar of spirituality or some combination of those things. And I was a shaman. And I was so afraid of I'm going to get on stage and claim that I'm a shaman in front of all of these religious people, all of these, you know, spiritual people with a religious flavor. And I, I was in
0: tears. I was so afraid. There's nothing more intimidating them, religious people.
1: <laughs> right, right, and then, of course, I get to the conference and it's the most, like, sincere, compassionate, understanding welcoming group of people ever so like clearly there was no problem there but what the fear that I was holding was that karmic fear of it is not safe for exactly. me to do that and so for I recognized actually by me giving that talk I was offering healing to myself my relationship to being a shaman and also to the lineage Everyone who has ever been a shaman, anyone who has ever claimed that archetype, I was offering healing to the archetype of shaman by getting on stage and claiming it and having it be welcomed and safe to do so. So of course, my talk went great. I'll have the recording of it eventually, but I spoke about shamanic death and rebirth. The whole talk was a healing session for the audience and um Oh, there was, oh, and then I received a vision actually in, I know this is kind of a long story, but it's important. I received this vision for the Scorpio full moon that we just had last week where my housemates and I did a lunar ceremony and I, my intention was around really fully releasing any blockages that I have from completely embodying and claiming all of my gifts and all of my, uh, the expression, the fullest expression of my work. And I had a vision. I saw myself surrounded in a sparkly gold light in the shape of a glass bell jar. You know what that looks like, that beautiful bell jar. I saw myself in this sparkly gold light, and I saw that I was laying like I was laying on the ocean, just floating and supported or held in the palm of the universal hand. I saw myself suspended in the bell jar, and I heard you get to be safe in this lifetime. This is a lifetime where it is safe for you to be who you are and to do what you do. And I saw myself held there and surrounded in this protection. And I knew that, you know, that was part of the inspiration for this topic today is it? we are coming into a time where it is more and more safe to be who we are and to offer healing to these lineages, not only for ourselves as healers, as mystics, as empaths, but for all of society. Think of this, the healing that we're doing, again, not only for us, but for everyone, by healing the the average Joe's relationship with the mystic, with the shaman, with the healer, we're empowering them to seek that depth and richness of understanding to seek the support that they need. They don't know that they need it, but they do.
0: Very important. That's beautiful, Michelle. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there are so many other archetypes that we could go into and we could talk about and we're running out of time, but um, let's just, uh, what are a few things that we really want to leave you with? Yeah. um, Is I think that, that this piece that Michelle just said, like it's safe it's safe to be you it's safe to do the work that you were brought here to do and the things that are the scariest the, the 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 archetypes and the names and the the frequencies that just trigger the fuck out of you um they're the places to start and to really lean just lean a little bit into it and what does it feel like to be more embodied in that place and what does it bring up for you and where is the work that, that you need to do to go into and, and really work on healing yourself and asking for help from yourself from all places and times and from your, your oversoul, from your uh, guardian angels and the beings of light that are here to assist you on this path to help you to um, really get through any of these, these blockages that are holding you back from owning your, your truest expression of your gifts.
1: I would also add to that to ask for support from the archetype itself. So with, uh, I don't know, the mystic or with the alchemist or whatever, the, the empath or the shaman, ask that archetype, how can I serve you through my own healing? What do you need and how can I offer healing to that? And really, ultimately, like what you're doing is you're healing your relationship with that archetype, you're healing the archetype itself, you're healing yourself as well. So everybody wins, but sitting with, um, and this is something that I lead people through on journeys where they go in to meet their inner warrior, their inner healer, their inner whatever, and we have that conversation of what do you need to be completely whole and healed?
0: Yes.
1: And as you live that healing for that archetype, that facet, it heals something within you.
0: Mm-hmm. And do it. When you get the messages yeah. <laughs> uh, to heal this, you must. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, try to do that thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's homework. Like now that you've asked,
1: you have to do it. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, and and see, like, what does it feel like to be a little bit more embodied into that place? You know, what does it feel like to buy that? you know, that you know, outfit that kind of makes you feel a little bit more witchy or a little bit more shamanic and actually wear it out in public. And you know, what is it, what does it feel like to allow yourself to play? And I think that's another piece is let yourself play. It doesn't have to be so crazy serious and, and intense. It's like it it can be so intense, so serious, so you know, like, ah, And also let yourself play, let yourself play within these places and, and not take yourself so seriously all the time. And, um, you know, see what's there when you bring a little bit of love, you know, like lightness to the experience and, and let yourself just. Come back into almost a childlike experience of these archetypes and and you know as a child is Fascinated child, children are fascinated with these archetypal energies and and what they mean and, and love to enact them And so what is what is that for you? Like what is the childlike expression of of that archetype that you can you can bring some some lightness and joy into?
1: Awesome I feel like those are some really good tools to leave people with. So, um, and as always, you are totally welcome to reach out to us through our email address, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. As we've already spoken about here, we do a lot of this work with our clients. And if this is something that you feel like you would like some support with, we would love to hear from you. Uh, You can also find us through our Facebook page of the same name, Shaman Sister Sessions. And as always, go on YouTube to watch all of our previous episodes. We have uh, six months' worth of amazing content, amazing free content now that is part of our service to you. So just go ahead on YouTube, look for Shaman Sister Sessions, and we are available to work with you individually or together, because what's better than one shaman? Two shamans. (laughs) And Pat and I love working together.
0: So, yeah. so and we want to give a, a quick, um, we, we can also give a quick plug if you're going to be in Southern California that Michelle will be traveling to Southern California in June. And so if you're like, hmm, that might be really fun to work with both of them together in person. Whoa, yeah, it's be incredible. Uh, we are going to be together in uh, mid, mid-June around solstice time. We're going to do an event together that we, we're still mapping out. And but um, it's going to be amazing because everything we do together is amazing. Definitely going to be amazing, and also want to give a, a quick shout out and plug to my course, The Healer's Process. Which in module one we go into archetypes and actually do some of this work around the archetypal energies. And uh, if you're interested in diving into more of that, um, that's going to be it's on sale now, so the healers process, and if you're looking for it, just come through my Facebook page. Yep,
1: and I have one last plug for those of you who tuned in a couple of weeks ago when we had my dear sister Jennifer Elise on as a guest. She was speaking about the Empowered event, which is coming up this Sunday, the 21st. I am a featured presenter at this event speaking about energetic empowerment, and there is a whole slew of amazing Empowered Women speakers who are also presenting at this event on Sunday. So please, if you would like to attend, tickets are still available. You can go to empoweredevent.com and use the code BEFREE for $50 off to get your ticket before this Sunday
0: the 21st. And that event is in Portland.
1: Yes, thank you. Portland, <laughs> Oregon. All right, well, it was so wonderful to speak with you about the archetypes today. Obviously, we can talk about this for a long time. Kat and I talk about this all the time. And uh, such a joy to share our personal and professional journeys with you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you.